Uh, this week we're talking about uh, a word that uh, I hardly ever use in a sentence. I, I don't know about you, but this, it's this word called, called avarice. Uh, what was the last time you used that word in a sentence? I mean, I never use that word. I, it's just kind of crazy. But, but you know, I, I was reading our text today, and it really, it really does kind of fit the context of our text. And so I'm going to talk to you about that a little bit. Uh, but but I'm, I want you to read the text with me, and then, uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about that word and, and what Jesus is trying to say to us from our text. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 19, and I'm going to read through verse 24. This is what it says. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. Your eyes are good. Your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, if you kind of keep this text in mind, and, and let me, I, I looked, I had to look it up in the dictionary, but, but avarice is this defined as an insatiable greed for riches, an inordinate mis, miserly desire to gain and hoard wealth. But really it speaks to the ways of thinking and acting that sometimes describe us and not just the rich sometimes describe the poor and everything in between. The reality is, is that we don't mean to go there. We just end up there. It's the idea that, that somehow things will make me happy. Have you ever been there? All of you shopaholics understand this. Somehow things will make me happy. And if things will make me happy, then what next means more things will make me even happier. And so we just keep going on. Then we think, well, I've got all these more things, but what I really need is I need newer things and better things and bigger things and fancier things. And we go on and, and, and we get into this vicious cycle that just more and better and newer will make me happier. But it is a lie. It's a lie. Because the problem is, is that things, our toys, our wealth, our pension funds, and as I was coming into work today and I was eating my sausage McMuffin, you know that's the greatest deal in town. It's a dollar eight for sausage McMuffin. I, I have to confess, I eat those about three or four times a week. Grab one of those on my way into work for a dollar eight, and I have my own glass of orange juice on the way in. And it works just perfect. And it's cheap. Sorry, I don't know how that fits into all this. But you know, it includes not just toys, it includes things like food. Dorothy, where are you? <laughs> she told me this morning. 
I ate too much today, yesterday, Pastor. I was bad. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it includes things like food. It includes some nastier things, some habits. Um, it's drugs, and it's alcohol, and it's stuff that we watch, and some stuff that we read, and we think, well, just a little bit will make me happier, and, and, and you know, it goes, it's just everything in life that we think will make us somehow happy, and it doesn't. It just gets worse. I had this really big idea one day, and I said to myself, you know, if I had a new driver... I would just play such better golf and I would be so much happier if I could score a little better. If I could just hit the ball another 20 yards further, that would just completely revolutionize my game. So I went out and got the new driver. And and you know what? I did hit the ball another, in fact, I hit the ball another 20 or 30 yards further. But I couldn't hit it straight. Distance is not everything it's cracked up to be. Because once in a while, you know, if it's going like this or like that, it doesn't really help you. And so then I had, and see, this is, this is, this is the problem. Then I had this idea. You know, if I had a different driver, one that was easier to hit straight, I'd be even happier. And I was just about to buy one. I was, I was in, in the store. I was just about to buy one when I realized it's not the golf club. It's the guy swinging it. And, and, and until I fix my swing, it doesn't matter what club I have in my hand. There's a lesson in that, folks. <laughs> Jesus is talking about avarice, that, that just a little more will make me happy, that, that just some stuff somewhere will, will somehow make it better, and the reality is, is that it won't. It can't. Jesus talks to us about this tendency that we have, and, and, and we get preoccupied with things that don't really matter and don't have eternal value and don't really satisfy Rather, they have the power to draw us away from God, away from others, and away from things that really satisfy. Now, I just got to give you a little example. I'm not going to finish early if I keep doing this. Friday, uh, there was Pastor's Day over at Point Loma. And they brought in, uh, if you can believe this, Rick Warren. Rick Warren came in to speak in chapel and then had a little question and answer kind of thing uh, with pastors, and then had lunch and spoke again at the lunch. And one of the questions he was asked was, how, what, what counsel would you give either new young pastors or pastors way through their careers about how you keep it fresh and what you do? And he had this really irritating answer. He said, the problem is, is that we do it so long that we just get used to it. 
and we get in a habit, and somewhere along the way, something happens. That instead of having fresh passion and vision for God, we take up a hobby, like golf, which was when I almost started throwing things at him. Gone from preaching to meddling. But there's something to that. That instead of keeping our focus on God, we get sidetracked into hobbies or into collecting things or into things that we think will make us happy. But Jesus says, it doesn't work. And we know it to be true. Truly. We search our souls. We know it to be true. And he gives us, he gives us three examples. <laughs> Sorry. That's called dyslexic fingers. <laughs> Sorry. For those of you that didn't notice that, I put up two fingers and said three. First thing he says, two treasures. He talks about two treasures. He said, he said there are two kinds of treasures and we're going to store them up. One or the other. That's just the way we do. We, we just function like that. Two treasures. We're either going to store up treasures that, that, that where moth eats and rust destroys and thieves steal, or we're going to store up treasures where that moth doesn't eat and rust doesn't destroy and thieves don't break in and steal. So you know what that looks like. What, what, what do moths eat? Clothes, furniture, um, Stuff like that. I don't know. Any fabric kinds of stuff. And rust destroys all the metal stuff around us. Uh, houses and cars. And I guess not too bad here. If we lived in uh, back east, we'd really get that one. But, <clears throat> you know, it, it, it just destroys things. Or, or thieves want to break in and steal. The things we accumulate. The, the special treasures. The, the cash accounts. And, the you know, everybody protect yourself and your ID numbers. And because people are breaking into your accounts online and all that kind of stuff. Yes. They are. Guess what? You brought nothing in, you'll take nothing out. Why is that important? Well, oh, let me ask you a question. What is it that doesn't get destroyed? What is it that is heavenly treasure that doesn't get destroyed? Let me just tell you, two big things. When you get all the rest of it narrowed down, it all comes to this. It's your character, your character, and your relationship with God and others. Those are things that, that don't get destroyed, that last forever. And Jesus says, make no mistake, you, you're storing one of the other all the time. I want to talk about that. Well, why is that important? Why is that important? He tells us because where your treasure is, there your heart is. Why is why is what you give so important? I'm, I'm, I know just, I'm just going to talk about it. It seems like every Sunday we're talking about this. Why is what you give so important? It's so important because it reflects where your heart is at. What gets your first money? I mean, let's just get down to it. What gets your first money? Your savings account? Your retirement account? God? Other people? It says something about where your heart is at. 
Where do you invest your time? It says something about where your heart is at. All those things. Because your heart follows your treasure. Treasure God and your heart will follow all that stuff. Yeah, you get it? Second example he gives is this. Two eyes. You either have an eye that's full of darkness or you have an eye that's full of light and clarity. And, and for us, this doesn't make a lot of sense because we, we get kind of, we don't know what this means. You think that he's talking about your, your, your health of your eyes or whatever? No, but he's not. Back in the day, what he understood was this, is that if you had a clear eye that was full of light, what he was talking about was that, that you were a generous spirit. You had a generous soul. And so when he says, if you have a clear eye and, 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 a, and light inside of you, it's this wonderful thing because it shines out and everybody knows it. But if there is darkness in your eye, that is to say, if you are stingy, miserly, if you are tight-fisted, if you're focused on your own stuff and your own accumulations, it shows. And he says, that darkness is great. You don't want to live there. You remember the scripture tells us about a generous person and, and the stingy kind of person. All the scriptures, all Proverbs and all the rest tells us about the difference between these kinds of things. But it reflects that same kind of idea. What is it that's going to satisfy? Third example he gives is this. Sorry. Third example he gives is this. You've got two kinds of master. You're either going to serve God or you're going to serve money. He said, you're either going to love one and hate the other, or you're going to be devoted to one and despise the other. Here's the deal. Sometimes we, we think and we want to be those people who, who walk on both sides. I'm a, I'm a multitasker. I can make it all happen. I can, I can have God, and I can have all the world, and I can make all that stuff happen. And, and Jesus just says, it, it, you can't. You think you can, and you can probably juggle it for quite some time, but in the end... You're either going to chuck God or you're going to live with him at the absolute center of everything you are. That's where we get back to. And, and, and Jesus is saying to us, you, you, you can't walk in both worlds. You can't have God as one of the many good things in your life. It doesn't work like that. That's not the way... God is. That's not who he is. Funny. This, this word money here, it says you cannot serve God in money. Uh, the, the actual translation, the Aramaic, actually says mammon. It's mammon, God and mammon. But, but the reason why it gets translated money is because by the time it was written in Jesus' day, the idea, because there's nothing wrong with mammon, God provided it. What's the deal? Nothing wrong with that. I like what Barclay said. He says, the history of this word shows that how vividly our material possessions can usurp the place of life in which they were never intended to have. Originally, a man's material possessions, mammon, were the things which he entrusted to someone else for safekeeping. And in the end, they became the things in which a man placed his trust. Jesus is saying, it doesn't work. You can't serve both. 
the question is, what is Jesus inviting us into? Because we're talking about this good and beautiful life. He's inviting us to a, a new way of thinking, a new way of living our lives and our faith relationship. I don't think, I don't think that Jesus is calling us to not work, and he's not calling us to not save. I don't think he's even telling us not to buy a new golf club. Thank goodness. But I still want that club. The reality is that we could probably all be better off if we lived more simplistic lives. You know, the simple life. And yet I think the big point he's asking us to consider is to keep asking ourselves, what is it that truly satisfies? What really satisfies? What really has eternal value? Rockefeller, you remember him, the richest guy of his day, responded to the question about how much is enough. And his answer was, just a little more. Just a little more. And, and that's the delusion of thinking that just a little more will make me happy. Just a little more will take care of what I really need. Just a little more will solve my problem. Just a little more will make me happier. But just a little more is never enough. What truly satisfies is not just a little more, not just the accumulation of stuff. What truly satisfies is understanding that God is more than enough. And then living like it. Living like you really believe that. I know you believe this stuff. I, I know that because we talk about that a lot here. We teach that a lot here. It's my constant message. True satisfaction is not found in our health or in our material possessions or in our financial security. It's found in God. That's it. And that satisfaction can never be taken from you. It can never be lost. And it doesn't change even when our circumstances We have chosen God and an investment in others as our center. I'm going to make it. You see, what I wanted to do right now is I wanted to have you tell me, or tell each other actually, an example of how God satisfies above all else. I don't have time to do that. But I'm just going to ask you to tell somebody before you get out of the parking lot. Can you do that? Have you found this to be true? Let me just say that. Have you found this to be true? Or raise your hand. That God satisfies. Above all else. More than stuff. More than things. More than health. More than the accumulation. God satisfies. 
I wanted you to hear that from each other because sometimes preachers just say that and they say, well, that's good. That's nice. Yeah. Now go sell your cattle. <laughs> but, but I wanted you to hear it from each other because it is life and it is true. So what is it that Jesus calls us to? Live with him as your center. Find your satisfaction in him. You know, I, I, I have this little feeling that if it's true for so many of you, and I know that it is, and I find it true in my own life, that it could also be true for others. And I, I want to I want to invite you that maybe today is a day when 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 you're one of those people who are just saying, Pastor, I hear it, I know it, I'm stuck in it. I'm stuck in this business of finding my happiness in the next thing that I eat or the next thing that I buy or thinking if I just had a little more money and a little better job, I'd be happier or whatever. But maybe today is a day when you just say, I want to be different than that. God help me. God help me. Next week we're going to talk about how to do that. Because next week we, (laughs) you know what next week is? Why are you worried? You know, (laughs) you you can't make the hairs on your head grow. You can't extend your life. Why are you worried? It's like Jesus knew. (laughs) He said, things don't satisfy. And you go immediately, ah, what am I going to do? But maybe today's the day when you just say, I want to start something different. Yeah, worship team, come. But the second thing I want you to ask you to do is this. In, In the next few weeks, we are going to start an attempt to try to communicate the message to our community that Jesus is more than enough. Is that worth communicating? God is more than enough for where you live, for your physical needs, for your spiritual needs, for your financial needs, for your whatever, relational needs. God is more than enough. Do you believe that? Yes? And so my question, my invitation for you today is this. Would you begin praying now and say, God, would you help us to communicate this message to our community? That you're more than enough for what they need. Amen? Will you do that? Will you pray with me about that? Will you say, God, use us? Yes? Now you can raise your hand here. Make me feel good. Lie to me if you need to. God will forgive you later. going to pray, God, help us to be people who live that message and proclaim that message. Amen? Father, into your hands do we give all that we are. Our satisfaction comes from you. Not from the stuff that we have. Lord, help us. Help us to understand we can't choose two masters. We choose you. You bring happiness. You bring satisfaction. You bring wholeness. You bring healing. 
Lord, you are more than enough. Help us as we live that and proclaim that. Lord, some here today are struggling at that very point. Help them just let it go and say, God, help me. I know I'm stuck. Help me. Lord, be their help. And help us day by day to live that out. Proclaim that message. Pray in Jesus' name. We just say this with me, just as we're going to sing the song enough in just a second. Can you just say out loud with me? God is more than enough. Say that. God is more than enough. Say it again. God is more than enough. We're going to say that a lot in the next 10 weeks. God is more than enough.